0: So if you turn there with me, you'll find Nehemiah after the book of Ezra, before the book of Esther. Um, What we'll do is we will pray, then we will read the text. We'll divide the text in its context, make some applications to our New Testament church context. But first, let us pray. Father God, you've been gracious and merciful to us. You are worthy this morning of our attentiveness to your word. We ask for grace in hearing. We ask for your grace in believing your word today. We ask, Lord, that our hearts would be receptive soil, that we might grow in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ today. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. So beginning in verse 27 of Nehemiah chapter 12. And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem... They sought the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, with thanksgivings, and with singing, with cymbals, harps, and lyres. And the sons of the singers gathered together from the districts surrounding Jerusalem and from the villages of the Netophathites, also from Beth Gilgal, and from the region of Geba and Asmaveth, for the singers had built for themselves villages around Jerusalem, and the priests and the Levites purified themselves, and they purified the people and the gates at, and the gates and the wall. Then I brought the leaders of Judah up unto the wall and appointed two great choirs that gave thanks. One went to the south on the wall to the dung gate, and after them went Hosahiah and half of the leaders of Judah and Azariah, Ezra, Meshulam, Judah, Benjamin, Shemiah, Jeremiah, and certain of the priest's sons with trumpets, Zechariah, the son of Jonathan, son of Shemaiah, son of Mattaniah, son of Micaiah, son of Zachar, son of Asaph, and his relatives, Shemaiah, Azarel, Milial, Gileal, Maai, Nathanael, Judah, and Hanani, with the musical instruments of David, the man of God, and Ezra the scribe went before them. At the fountain gate, they went straight up before them By the stairs of the city of David at the ascent of the wall above the house of David to the water gate on the east. The other choir of those who gave thanks went to the north. And I followed them with half of the people on the wall above the tower of the ovens to the broad wall. And above the gate of Ephraim and by the gate of Yeshani, And by the fish gate and the tower of Hananel and the tower of the hundred to the sheep gate. And they came to a halt at the gate of the guard. So both choirs of those who gave thanks stood in the house of God, I and half of the officials with me, and the priests, Eliakim, Messiahi, Manamunin, Micaiah, Elionai, Zechariah, and Hanani with trumpets, Mesai, Shimei, Eleazar, Uzai, Johananin, Melchijah, Elam, and Ezer. And the singers sang with Jezariah as their leader, and they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced. For God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and children also rejoiced, and the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. On that day, men were appointed over the storerooms, the contributions, the first fruits, and the tithes, to gather them into the portions required by the law for the priests and for the Levites, according to the fields of the towns. For Judah rejoiced over the priests and the Levites who ministered. And they performed their service to their God and the service of purification, as did the singers, the gatekeepers, according to the command of David and his son Solomon. For long ago, in the days of David and Asaph, there were directors of the singers, and there were songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. And all Israel in the days of Zerubbabel and in the days of Nehemiah gave the daily portions for the singers and the gatekeepers, and they set apart that which was for the Levites, and the Levites set apart that which was for the sons of Aaron. On that day they read from the book of Moses in the hearing of the people. This is God's word. It is the inspired, infallible, transforming word of God. So often when we think about the Christian life, we think about the Christian life as nothing but blood, sweat, and tears. We feel the weight of living a Christian life in a world that is Christ-rejecting and sinful. We see a nation and a world right now filled with hatred We live in a time when fear that we might contact somebody and make them ill or they might make us ill, cause us to run scared. Our state is on fire. It is in flames. We are a divided people. And in the church, we can feel the weight also of our human responsibility to live a life of holiness according to grace. Our Christian life can seem like nothing but blood, sweat, and tears. And the Bible even describes the Christian life as a fight. In 1 Timothy 6, verse 12 says, Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. You see, we look around and there are many external things that attempt to derail us from walking worthy of our calling. But there's none so hard as the war that wages within each one of us. In Romans 7, verse 14 through 19 says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want to do, but, the very thing I, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I don't want to do, I agree with the law that it is good. So now there is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil that I don't want to do, that's what I keep doing. Again, this can cause us to regard the Christian life as nothing but blood, sweat, and tears. And we are to fight a good fight. We are to present ourselves a living sacrifice. But diligent devotion is hard work. Bible study is hard work. Prayer is hard work. Intentional fellowship is hard work. The Great Commission to make disciples is hard work. The Great Commission to evangelize the world is hard work, and and that hard work often comes without us seeing any fruit of our labor whatsoever. The call to observe all that Jesus commands is hard work. Look at what Hebrews 12 tells us this, that discipline from the Lord seems unpleasant. And it does, doesn't it? When we are disciplined by God, that discipline seems unpleasant. Jesus uh, promises, though, us this. What does He promise us? He promises not a life of comfort and ease, but Jesus promises us a cross upon which you are to die. That is the promise of the gospel. He promises us not a life of ease and comfort where everything is going just fine in this life. He promises us a cross upon which we are to die. Jesus promises us further that those who are truly his disciples inherit a share in his sufferings. So you might be sitting here saying this morning, but I did not sign up for that. Pastor Jeff, I didn't sign up for that. No, you didn't. But by grace, you were signed up for that so that you might also share in His glory. But there are times amid trouble, there is cause to rejoice. Paul says that we are to rejoice in the Lord always. Discipline from the Lord, hard work, arduous toil, trials and testing are necessary, and they are productive. Listen to what Paul writes to the Romans from chapter 5. He says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still uh, weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. All of our present sufferings pale in comparison to the weight of glory that awaits us who are in Christ Jesus. Trials, troubles, toil, discipline produce in the Christian a share in God's holiness, steadfastness, endurance, character, and hope. And here's great hope. See, He has removed our shame. And He has poured out upon us His Holy Spirit because of His great love. So the trials are still there. Nothing's changed. But this is great cause for rejoicing. Isn't it? So now you might be thinking, well, that's an introduction. How come, where have we come from the text of Nehemiah? We're getting there. We are getting there. As we look at our text, we see that the people uh, of Israel desire to celebrate. They not, they not only want to desire uh, to celebrate because the wall has been completed, but they are there to celebrate that the hand of God has been upon them, that God has heard the prayers of Nehemiah. In the beginning, before Nehemiah ever set out on this journey to build this wall, he prayed day and night for four to five months that the Lord would give him favor. And God heard the prayers of Nehemiah, and God gave him an audience with King Artaxerxes. And King Artaxerxes is favorable to Nehemiah's requests. And not only does he grant his request, but by God's favor, he gives him provision and men to guard along the way as they go out to uh, build this wall and as we think about their time the wall uh, project has been opposed from within and from without Uh, it's been uh, opposed by uh, their own sin and their own troubles and their own uh, injustices towards one another and then the enemies of course did not want them to complete this so they've got enemies attacking from uh the outside nehemiah says in chapter 2 verse 20 that the God of heaven will make them prosper. In chapter four, verse 20, Nehemiah tells the people, our God will fight for us. See, so this is what they are coming to the wall to dedicate and celebrate. And you would think this, wouldn't you? That when you read this book as a whole, that, that this celebration of the building of the wall should have been immediately upon the completion of the wall, right? Because now we've seen a whole lot of other things going on. Well, you see this? This celebration happens after the Spirit of God has convinced them that they need to return to the law of God. It happens after they have repented of their sins. It is after they have been cut to the heart and said, No, we are dedicating ourselves to the Lord again. It is after God has done that work in them, in their souls, that they say, Let's celebrate this dedication of the wall. The people desire to celebrate. Both Ezra and Nehemiah claim, proclaim that the good hand of God would be upon them. That, and God's good hand had been upon him. The people desire to celebrate because God has sent them godly leadership in the person of Nehemiah. The Israelites desire to celebrate because God has made them prosper. The returning exiles long to celebrate because God has fought for them. God has granted them and a renewed desire to hear from the law of God. They come to rejoice because God has shown them in their history that they have been rebellious against him, but he has been faithful all along. His discipline as a loving father has brought them to repentance, to renewal and to reform. And the people of God desire to celebrate the mercy and the grace of God towards them. They longed to celebrate this reversing of shame that had come upon them for their 70-year captivity, and they brought them back to Israel to occupy that place, to occupy Jerusalem once again to the praise and glory of God. This was a day of celebration, and it was bought with blood, sweat, and tears. The time has come to celebrate that by God's hand the people have overcome many, many trials. The people call for celebration of all that God has done in them. And they are purified and set apart for rejoicing. The people are organized in their praise. And, they, and God gives them a heart uh, filled with joy that was heard all around the city. And they come to serve rather than to be served. They come to hear the word of God. And they come to contribute to the ongoing work of God. Notice with me verse 30. And the priests and the Levites purified themselves and they purified the people and the gates and the wall. The people of God have come to celebrate having sanctified and purified themselves. I would ask us this morning, are you uh, missing or lacking the joy of worship? As you gather in church this morning, as you gather, are you lacking the joy of worship? Does it feel... Like even coming to worship is blood, sweat, and tears. Has worship lost its joy? I would ask us to contemplate this. Have you prepared your heart for joy? Have you come before God in purity, having set aside the way of the world? David prays and sings this in Psalm 51. Verse 7 says, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me. And I shall be whiter than snow. Verse 10 through 12 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. This is a sanctified, purified, prepared heart, prepared to rejoice in the joy of salvation. Perhaps, Today, the joy of your salvation escapes you. Well, Lord willing, you can repent today. You can cry out that you might be purged, that God might restore your joy to you. Look at verse 31 with me. Then I brought the leaders of Judah unto the wall and appointed two great choirs and gave thanks. One went to the south on the wall to the dung gate. Verse 38 The other choir of those who gave thanks went to the north, and I followed them with half of the people on the wall above the tower of the ovens to the broad wall. See, Nehemiah gets a call from the people, and the people say, we long to go and rejoice and celebrate the dedication of the wall. So what does Nehemiah do as a leader? He organizes and sets up two choirs. And he sets them up to surround the walls from the north and from the south. And we should notice this, that celebrating God's grace is neither disorganized nor is it chaotic, as we talked about last week. The people and the priests come with a purified heart, and the praise of God is ordered and it is planned. And you might res- remember that I said last week that there are those who say, I don't go much for organized religion. And I said, well, either you must then go for disorganized religion or you go for a religion of your own choosing, or you don't believe that God is in control, that God is sovereign over the affairs of humankind, or is he sovereign over the church and how it should function. I say that, and I believe the word is clear, that the praise of God is organized. Let's look at verse 43 together. And they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and children also rejoiced, and the joy of Jerusalem was heard from far away. Notice again, and we should notice this, and I, you know, um, uh, there, there's lots of uh, ways in which we look at the New Testament text, and we can clearly see the sovereignty of God and salvation. But throughout this book of Nehemiah, what has struck me as we have uh, done this is that God is always the first actor. It is God who does work in people and people respond. Notice this. We should notice this in this text. That again, it is God who has acted upon the people first. God has acted upon the people first. Because at the dedication of the wall, they sought to come and rejoice in Him. That, that alone is a work of God. It is God having acted upon their hearts, and they desire then to worship God, because the natural man will not and does not choose God. The natural person will not choose Him. Well, so... The people respond. God made them rejoice. See, God has done this work again. Look at verse 43. It says that God made them rejoice. God did the work first, and they respond. God made them rejoice with great joy. God gave them a desire before for the law, right? God granted them a broken and contrite heart. It was God who enabled them by grace to recommit themselves to His Word and to His people. It is God who has filled their hearts with joy. You might recall from Nehemiah 8 verse 10, Nehemiah says, Do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. I would ask us this morning, is is our devotion lacking? Do you feel weak and weary from the trials and tribulation of life? Has COVID-19, chaos in the streets, divisive politics, fellow Christians uh, surrounding you in disobedience, uh, sins committed against you, has all of these things robbed you of your joy? Well, if circumstances can rob us of joy, maybe. Maybe we ought to be looking at uh, other things to bring us joy. If we were looking at our circumstances to bring us joy, perhaps we should maybe look into something other than our circumstances to find joy in. God's glory is the source of joy. What is the ultimate end of humankind's existence? Often we think about the ultimate end of humankind's existence is that we have a good family with lots of kids, that we have a provision, we have enough food, we have enough clothing, we have a house, we have these things. Um, we have what we want we get to have fun we have leisure and free time we have all of these things this is the chief end right i have really made it because i'm financially stable i have a, a good bank account i have uh, kids who love me i have all of this this is then well what about when all of that stuff goes away what about when those when crises come because you know that they do your experience is probably telling you that they come that things interrupt those things and take some of those things away. Well, if that is your source of joy, then you are undone, isn't it? I would say this, that God's glory is the source of joy, that the ultimate end of mankind, even according to the Westminster Confession of Faith says that the chief end of man is to glorify God and to fully enjoy him forever. According to Isaiah 43, verse 7, Isaiah says this, everyone called by His name, was formed and created for His glory. Hebrews 12, too, says that for the joy that was set before Him, Jesus endured the shame of the cross. When we look to the cross, we see the glory of God brilliantly displayed in the most gruesome and dire circumstances that ever happened to anybody who bore flesh on this earth the author and the perfecter of our faith was crushed for sin, having no sin of his own. The wrath of God was poured out on Jesus for rebellious, hateful, disobedient people like you and me. That by God's grace, though, through faith, we might behold the glory of God, The whole point in the death of Jesus for us is that we might behold the glory of God, that we might behold His glory, that we might be in His presence, that we might be filled with the joy of our salvation. Joy comes from the glorious act of God on the cross where Jesus died for us. Are you looking to circumstances for joy? The promise of God, in Jesus' own words, is this, in this world, there will be trouble. Look to the cross. Are you satisfied with all that God is for you in Christ Jesus? John Piper says that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. Jesus further says, be of good cheer. I have overcome The world. Be of good cheer. Jesus' death has overcome the world. The cross of Jesus Christ, the glory of God, is the source of joy. It is not in our circumstances. The people of God, filled with joy here, they continue. They desire then to move this movement of praise forward, to continue to celebrate who God is for them. We notice in verse 44, the people contribute to their first fruits of their labor, to the glory of God. For their source of joy has come from praise and from worship and from the community of believers coming together. They prioritize the service of those who are charged with this one thing. They prioritize the service of people charged with one job. Could you imagine that this was your job. I'm going to tell you this is your job. This is this is the most important job in our community. And I want you, uh, I want to make sure that we all contribute to you so that you will continue to do this so that nothing will get in your way, so there will be nothing that will be contrary to what it is that, that God has called for you to do. And this is what you're to do. Day and night, give praise and thanks to God. That's your job. This was their priority, was to give thanks and praise to God. So they contributed. They brought their first fruits to the praise and glory of God. Well, they prioritized this service because the chief end, their chief end was the glory of God. The chief end was the glory of God and that is their source of joy. So I contemplated saying this. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. There, there there are there's only two there's only two destinies this morning there's only two ways that we're going to go the ultimate future every person in this room has an ultimate future and there but there's there's two ways you can go there's two things one the future for those who are not in Christ Jesus is judgment. And it's coming very soon. For those who are in Christ Jesus, what is coming soon is celebration. You're either going to be celebrate, you're either going to celebrate or your, or judgment is coming. That is our options. If you're not in Christ this morning, guess what? This is as good as it's ever going to get for you. Your current circumstances are determined to get significantly worse. The judgment of God is coming. Each day that you spend glorifying yourself, glorifying in the things of this world, finding, trying to find joy in the circumstances of this life to the neglect of God's glory, guess what? You Today, each day are storing up for yourself wrath on the day of God's judgment. If you say, I'll do it tomorrow, we don't know that tomorrow, the judgment might come tomorrow. So if you say no today, you could be storing up for yourself. You are storing up for yourself more judgment upon yourself for the day of God's judgment. God is calling you this morning. And He's calling you to repent and believe. He's calling you who are not in Christ this morning to turn from your sin, you turn from your pride, turn from your self-rule, your self-glory, and believe that Jesus, the glory of God in human flesh, laid down His life for you. That you might fully enjoy God forever. Now, if you are in Christ Jesus this morning, and you're suffering under great uh, burdens and tough circumstances. Know this better is coming. Your circumstances, your current ones, they might not change in this life, but soon you will be in the presence of the source of joy. You will be in the presence of the resurrected Jesus Christ. A day of celebration is coming. Our overcoming Savior has made us by grace to be overcomers. We will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Revelation twelve ten through 12 says, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ have come. For the accuser of the brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. There will be a time to celebrate. Revelation 21.4 says that he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning. Or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. The sound of celebration of God's people will soon surround the throne. As you notice that these people come from the north and the south, they said the joy could, the joy of, of God's people at the dedication of wall could be heard from all around. Well, the sound of God's people celebrating will soon surround the throne of God, much greater than this celebration of this wall. In Revelation 19, verses 6-9, through nine, it says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of, Of the saints. And the angel said to me, Write this Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. These are the true words of God. Have you been invited? Will you be invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb? Is the glory of God the source of joy? Or is it your circumstances? There is a future for us, there's a future for each one of us, either judgment, which we all deserve, so that's all of you and me, judgment, or celebration, which one will you choose this day? Will you choose a future of judgment that you deserve? So you can't argue that. You deserve it. I deserve it. Or will you get what you don't deserve? Because Jesus took what he did not deserve. He took punishment for your sin and for my sin that we might share in God's glory, that we might be filled with joy. Jesus said he came that our joy might be full, right? He wants us to rejoice in him because better is coming. I want you all to be invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. What must you do to be invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb? It is simple. Repent and believe in Jesus. Turn from yourself. Turn from your pride. Turn from anything that, that, that is, has got a hold of you in thinking that you are the master of this world and this universe. Anything that, that has a hold of you like that, let go of that. Surrender your life to Jesus that you might get real life. That you might get new life. That's, that's what you do to be invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And Jesus is making that invitation. Turn and believe in my death on a cross for you. And you have been invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Joy is coming. Joy is coming. Let's take a moment of silence and just absorb God's word, and then we will pray. Well, Father, we praise and thank you for your word. I pray that today by your Holy Spirit, you have convicted one or many of us of sin, righteousness, and judgment, and that we understand your great love that was sent to us in the person of Jesus, that his death atoned for our sin and transgressions, and that we turn to you in faith, Lord, this morning, and that you receive us and invite us to one day celebrate with you in heaven where there are no tears, no more sorrow, no COVID-19, no burning for us, Lord. We long for that day in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.